0: Indie Authors Discussion is brought to you by Authors United Publishing. Are you ready to publish a book? Well we can help. And Tim and I can help you get published and retain all copyrights and royalties. There are no hidden fees for what we offer. We publish, edit, proof, ghostwrite, and publish on paperback, hardback, Kindle, and audible. We stay with the process until the final step is completed. We also narrate and would not be opposed to narrating your work. Our process begin at $150, and for up to the maximum of $600, you get everything. So if you're ready, message us anytime, and we can discuss what we can do for you. Now, here is Indie Authors Discussion with Tim, Lori, and Elijah Simpson.
1: Hello, and welcome to Indie Authors Discussion and More. Uh, We've got a pretty neat podcast tonight.
0: Oh my goodness, it is packed full of stuff.
1: That's right. We've got uh, an audio clip from uh, Lori's Saving Faith novel, which is a lot of fun. You have to check that out. We've got an author coming on here in a little bit.
0: His name is David Wessel, and he wrote a book called Choosing Sides. The book um, will be available soon. It is not out right at this moment but it will be available soon and it sounds very interesting. We are very much looking forward to speaking with him.
1: So just in this one podcast, we've got a uh, part two to the Noir Tales. Uh,
0: it, you won't believe what happens in this one. I didn't believe it when I read it.
1: And we're looking at all of the holidays coming up. We got Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Uh, the Our season will end at the end of December for season one. I can't believe we're already on the sixth episode. Me too.
0: That's amazing. Seems
1: like we just started it.
0: I know. It is so much fun to do this podcast. We literally have so much fun doing it with all the the interesting characters that show up and, and everything. It is just so much fun, um, and I get to do it with my family.
1: You can probably tell we don't take everything so serious we, we do take writing seriously because we are writers and and we take our authors very serious because they produce some good work but overall we just come on and we just have fun with everything and also along with this podcast uh we are putting up every friday i'm trying to do some uh classic movies and stuff that are in the public domain and are free to uh anyone to to show I would recommend you check some of them out we've got uh i know i just added the phantom of the opera from 1925. Ooh. and we got some old tv shows and it's only on fridays we're going to release those so be on the lookout for that and on wednesday nights we're still putting up the um old time radio shows and they seem to be taking off pretty good
0: but uh, this coming wednesday night guess what we've got
1: we have i give up what <laughs>
0: You know, sometimes I think that us just being the way we are, because I love Christmas. Do you love Christmas?
1: I like Christmas a lot,
0: but I'm afraid that we go from straight from Halloween
1: mm-hmm. right to Christmas, and about everybody does. We just skip, yeah. skip two or three months. Yeah.
0: So uh, we are doing a special Thanksgiving play um, that will air on November twenty second on that Wednesday. And we wrote it. And I hope that you find it, it funny and interesting, but also helps us to reflect on um, the Thanksgiving holiday because we all really have so much to be thankful for.
1: That's right. And uh, with the Noir, I do the writing of that. But with this uh, Thanksgiving play, we actually tag teamed it. And uh, I put as much zany stuff as I could muster.
0: I know. For some reason, I'm just not as zany as you.
1: You I wonder are. wonder why. You, you can be. <laughs> but it's... Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun and silly at times. Because, uh, like I said, we, this is who we are naturally. We, we just enjoy... Uh, being funny having fun stuff happen to us and so we just like to have fun with the podcast it's not our livelihood but it's something we enjoy doing just to be doing it and having Eli a part of it he uh, has a lot of fun with it his Eli moment will be coming up and he's interviewing uh one of these crazy people that he talks to every now and then he he likes uh he likes talking to uh, crazy people, so <laughs> he found this, the craziest person he could find to interview, and the guy That
0: should be good.
1: Yeah, I think the guy's a millionaire or something. And wow. Yeah, he made his money, he made his fortune in one of the strangest ways, so you'll have to listen to Eli interview this guy. And
2: You
0: know, I think that's why I fell in love with you.
1: Because I'm crazy?
0: Because you make me
1: laugh. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, and... Also, he gets a surprise phone call in the middle of his uh, interview. No way. Yeah. Yeah, Wow. You'll have to listen to that. Uh, So anyway, we got a lot of uh, fun stuff in this podcast. So um, just uh, listen to it to the end. At the end, you will have an opportunity. And don't pass it up because everybody's thinking the same thing. Well, I won't be that one person.
0: Are you talking about the promo code? I'm
1: talking about the promo code. We give a free audio book full length audiobook away at the end of each podcast. So even if you go back and listen to some of the others, I can tell you right now none of them has been claimed yet. Really? Really. So as as of this recording, nobody has claimed those pod there any of those uh audiobooks. Oh. So if um you want a free audiobook, and and if you're the f- first person to enter it in, and chances are you will be, so don't think someone else has already got it because they haven't. Uh, wait till the very end of this podcast, and write down the code. We have a UK code and uh, the a US, US code. code, so so stay tuned for that. Uh, is there anything else before we go on?
0: Just one more thing. Thank you all for listening. We, again, are having so much fun doing this and we just appreciate all of the listeners and we would enjoy your feedback. Um, You know, send us stuff through Facebook or, or however they could, you know, messenger, however you could get to us and let us know what you like. Let us know what you might want to hear Um, and just let us know if we're doing a good job. Let us know if we make you laugh.
1: And if there is an author out there who wants to be on the show, absolutely, uh, just get in touch with us, and uh, we will set up an interview, like the one we have coming up. Yeah. So just keep listening, and you'll hear some uh, fun stuff, and some educational stuff, and uh, some stories, and it'll be a lot of fun. So stay tuned. <laughs>
2: Okay guys, welcome back, I mean, uh, well, welcome back Hey, to... it's good to
1: be here. Hey, I'm in no, the
2: middle of an intro.
1: Oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, young do, your... do your intro there. Okay, so welcome guys, welcome
2: sorry, back. Hey, is
1: this a dungeon or something? It's so dark in here. Oh.
2: Uh, Pretty
1: nice for a dungeon. Uh, I'm sure trying is... to do an intro here. I'm sorry, you're trying to eat dogs ears? <laughs> what? Is that, is that what you said, dogs? Ears? Come no, on, I'm, man. I'm, I'm uh, trying to do an intro ears? here.
2: And, oh, uh, an intro.
1: Intro. I thought she was trying to eat dogs' ears.
2: <laughs> okay. So guys, oh,
1: I don't know what's going on.
2: Welcome back to Eli's Moment. This is the second one. And now we're here with Tony.
1: Tony Rossetti. They call me Big Tony Rossetti. That's my name. My mom named me Big Tony. She had a weird, weird, weird sense of humor. Call me Big Tony, but they call me Tiny for short
2: okay yeah go ahead
1: go ahead so, and do your interview young man
2: so where are you from
1: I am from originally Brooklyn I'm oh. from Brooklyn but I lived 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 in uh, in sabertooth swamp Florida that's on the outskirts of Miami somewhere and then I moved up here to uh to Gaptooth Virginia so where do
2: you live
1: Gaptooth Virginia right now do
2: you live in the house?
1: Sometimes, yep, sometimes. I'm a very wealthy man, very wealthy. You know, I sold used, emptied peanut shells to squirrel farms. I made a million bucks, man, a million <laughs> bucks. I'm, I'm wealthy. You know, I bought me a, a, a Ford 150. That's how much money I have. I, I bought it off my neighbor, $30,000. That's right, $30,000. A 1987 Ford F 150. It was was the best track ever. That's how much money I got, man.
2: Okay, do you work anywhere or?
1: No, I just sell the peanut shells to squirrel farms. They love them out there, they're nuts over them.
2: So, how'd you meet my dad?
1: Well, it's a funny thing. Funny thing. He put out a thing on Facebook there. Said he needed somebody to interview. You, you want to interview somebody? So here I am. Me and I, right here, sitting in this dungeon with you.
2: This ain't a dungeon.
1: It's just a room for recording. Oh, okay. I bet your pardon this room for recording. And looks like a dungeon to me, but okay, okay. Say, is uh, is your phone ringing? There, it's going off. Oh,
2: oh, oh. Um, may I answer this? Yeah, yeah. Go
1: ahead, young man. Hello. Yeah, I would like a large pepperoni pizza with uh, those little fishes, uh, those baby fishes on it, and and throw some of those eggs, those little be eggs, you know, those little black eggs, and extra cheese, please.
2: Uh, are you Pat Buggings?
1: Why, how'd you know that?
2: Because I'm in the middle of an interview right now, and...
1: Ah, who is this?
2: You know, you call me little guy whatever.
1: Little guy whatever. (laughs) Hey, man, this this is not a pizza joint. What are you you talking about there? Oh, I thought this was pappy pizza.
2: I miss cockroach.
1: I'm sorry, baby. Who was that? That was that was crazy, man. That,
2: Pat buggings.
1: Who? who Pat Buggings? She's a buggin' me. I tell you that right now.
2: She likes cockroaches.
1: On her pizzas? Oh, that's disgusting. Who's no, gonna eat cockroaches on the pizza.
2: Not on her pizzas, but uh, I'm um, um cockroaches uh well uh.
1: That's terrible, man. Is her
2: favorite thing. She wrote a book. Called My Love for Cockroaches and Why They Will Take Over the World.
1: Yeah, that sounds pretty interesting. I might read that. Where can I, can I buy that on Amazon?
2: Uh, she sells them at a stand in Beaufort, Tennessee.
1: I ain't driving all the way up there.
2: And she also said that, uh, whenever I seen the interview, she said that, uh, and yeah, uh, I also heard like a few episodes ago that, uh, she, uh, wanted to sell her book in the Amazon. Phone.
1: Well, that sounds pretty cool. I'd like to go to the Amazon myself. You know, I'm a very wealthy man. I could go there. I don't think my F-150 will take me, but I can really get to the Amazon if I tried. You know, I bought that truck, and it's a 1987. It's a beaut to pay $30,000 for it.
2: Okay. Uh. So, yeah, Pat... Buggings is uh very weird, and uh, she uh, also her husband was killed by a cockroach.
1: What?
2: <laughs> yes. That's
1: just that's that's insane. Anyway, uh, you know I've got to get going. I got a lot of billionaire stuff to do.
2: Okay. Well, she also um, rode here on a bicycle, and uh, she lived in her backyard for.
1: Well, a few give months. her a call there and you talk to her. I got to get going, young man.
2: Okay. I'll
1: uh, call her. All right then. So. Now, who's listening to this right now? Are we on the radio? Uh,
2: know we're in a podcast. What's that? Okay. A podcast?
1: What? What's a podcast? I, Say, I don't have a computer. I don't have, I don't even have a phone. I was at the library when I saw, saw your, uh, Pappy, uh, put that thing on Facebook. I go to the library and weren't using computers.
2: Uh... Well you're a billionaire and I think that you could probably afford a phone and a computer and stuff.
1: Yeah, I probably could. You know what? I think I'll go look into that.
2: Yeah. Well we'll see you later, young
1: man. Oh. You didn't
2: even offer to close it. okay guys so i guess that was the weird interview with uh tony so uh he said that you probably heard that he's sell uh just uh the peanut shells to um grow farms or something like that i forgot what he said and uh yeah also pat bookman he's called and if you're new to our podcast you may not know who she is, but she, uh, if you watch them, I, I mean, or listen, I mean, to some of their um, other episodes, especially like episode two, you'll know who Pat Buzzard is after you you listen to um, episode two. So, uh, so that was your last moment, and uh, I guess I'll see you next week.
1: Welcome to. Biggie Smalls is literally a small-time hood. He works for Manfred Van Johnson out of the East Side Pool Hall. He occasionally does odd jobs for Lips Malone, but those, those times are rare. He has a rap sheet three miles long. I picked him up for involuntary manslaughter, racketeering, and running a gambling casino without proper licensing. When he was younger, He was just a tiny tough guy who collected from Manford, but those days are long gone. Don't let his size and station fool you. He is small, but Biggie Smalls is a very dangerous man. He has the brain of an ant with the temper of a badger. He often surrounds himself with people who possess a far superior intellect. Why should I care? Yeah, if someone bumped off, tried to bump off. Lips boys, would you stop finishing my sentences? Uh, I ain't no child. Besides, I got no race in this horse. Horse in this race. Numbers, you're getting me steamed. I said stop it. Walter Jeffrey Jones, or Numbers, is Biggie's number one guy. His brain's like a calculator. He has no real personality to speak of. He can most often be seen reading the newspaper and calculating the odds of ball games and horse races. He has been banned in nearly every casino from here to Vegas for counting cards. Besides, advising Biggie, his main source of income these days is bookmaking. My apologies, boss. I'll grab some coffee. Yeah! You do that, leave that paper. I gotta see what Dick Tracy's up to.
0: Look, Biggie, all I'm saying is you better watch your back. Things will heat up fast. Word is, lips hit Manny first, and Manny retaliated. It put shoulders and the rat in the hospital. There were two reporters there also, and luckily for all of us, they were unharmed.
1: Well, I still don't care. Lorraine and I have a business to run. So you can go back to whatever it is you're doing these days and let me run my business.
0: <laughs> okay, Biggie, if that's how you feel. You helped me out once, so I was just returning the favor. Don't be surprised if Lips or Manny send for you.
1: Wait a minute. W- why would either one send for me?
0: Because you're a part of this world, Biggie. The world you have always wanted. Good luck, doll, and watch your caboose. Take care of him, numbers. Underneath all that anger, there's still a good man in there.
1: I just know it. Maybe way down in there. What'd you say? Nothing, boss. Who does she think she is, anyway? She used to mean something to you, boss. She meant something to all of us. Yeah? Well, she doesn't anymore. Besides, I'm the brains now. I run this business. It's mine. She can take a long walk off a short bridge for all I care. That's right, boss. You tell her. You're a regular Einstein, you are. That's right. Uh, Oh, wait. Who? You know, Einstein is right. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, Alfred Einstein. Yeah, I, I remember him. It's Albert. Who's Albert? It's Albert Einstein. You think you're so smart because you went to school. I'm getting another cup of coffee. You just got a cup. Yeah, well I need another one. The attack on the rat and shoulders was definitely a professional one. Beth and Carl made it unscathed, which tells everyone it was someone who knew the rules. The rules are, you don't kill bystanders, only the target. Every mobster knows this. The strange thing is, it was a shotgun blast. It's good for close combat kills, but not at the distance it was fired. Shoulders and the rat shared a few pellets, nothing more serious than a splinter. The homeless guy took most of the attack. Shoulders and the rat both wound up in the hospital, but only the rat felt up to talking. This sort of thing stays in the family, but the rat's not a member of any family to speak of. He's a loner, which is probably why he stayed alive for so long. So Roger and I went to see our old pal. I'm not a good man. Neither is my sister. My dad was, though. Who's this?
0: Your name's Minnie, you mook.
1: Charming. I'm Detective York and this is Detective Manson. How do you know the rat here? I'm his girlfriend. The rat has a girlfriend? My sister and I grew up in the swamps of Florida. The weather was horrible. The fish were as big as scorpions. They would eat a man alive, I tell you. It was awful.
2: Oh, baby, just rest. I'll take
0: care of you.
1: Okay, come on, Rat. You were born in Flint, Michigan. Oh, yeah. That's it. Maybe it's my dad's grandfather I'm thinking of. Say, how did you know that? It's okay, Minnie. I can talk with him. We know everything about you, Howie Sprout, a.k.a. the rat. Hey, listen, fellas. I feel sick, I tell you. I got the flu or something. My side really hurts. Yeah, well, that's because they dug a bullet out of it. Could you identify the man that shot you? I don't think so. I mean, no one's ever tried to kill me before, I, I swear it. I don't understand. I was, I was minding my own business. I just wanted a shot of whiskey to lay on the beach in a quiet place somewhere like Alaska. Alaska? He's lost his mind. Maybe it's the morphine. He's not on morphine, Roger. Rat, try and focus. What kind of car was it? What kind of car was what? What kind of car was the man driving when he shot you? Oh, yeah, yeah uh I see what you're saying it was a, a black it had a, a set of, of headlights and and both were on uh, which was strange for that time of day you know they, they did the same thing to Joan of Arc before she built it what is he talking about built what the ark of course Noah how could I know her she's been dead for years <laughs> all right that's enough you weasel Did you or did you not see the one that shot you? It all happened so fast. I don't know, but the the driver looked like one of you guys. What do you mean, one of us? He was a copper. Just before I pulled that bum over me to keep from getting shot, I noticed he had the copper look about him. Oh, yeah, well, he died, by the way. What? Who died? The homeless man you used as a shield. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. You you know, homelessness in this country is a tragedy. I say, why don't you cops do something about it? You know, send them to New York or someplace so they don't get shot. He's an idiot, Jack. He's got nothing. The driver was wearing a badge, but the car was unmarked. At least I, I think it was unmarked. It, it might have might have been mocked. I don't know. It, it, will you calm down for a minute? We need to know for sure if the man that tried to kill you was, in fact, a police officer or not. Because, Rat, that's a serious allegation. And what does that mean, Roger? What does what mean? Alligatorings. Not out. Al- <sighs> Never mind. Jack, you talk to him. I'm going to see if Shoulders is awake. Listen up. Rat, if you know something, you better stop talking. Mr. Manson, I, I, I tell you, please don't let him kill the kid. It, 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 please, he saw everything. He he was scared and... Kid? Where is this kid? If I tell you, promise me you'll protect him. Okay, Rat. I promise. Just tell me where I can find him. You're a good one, Mr. Manson. I trust you, so I'll tell you where you can find the kid. Wow. Well. The rumors are true, Mr. Van Johnson. Those reporters from the Daily News were there when it happened. And the Rat and Shoulders are both in the hospital. Thank you, Marvin. I will try to get in to see them. I want to know what's going on. I don't think Lips would have tried to kill two of his own boys without good reason, especially Shoulders. They grew up together like brothers. Someone has playing a dangerous game here, Marvin. And I don't like games.
2: Sir, would you like to buy a newspaper? Most of them have gone yet, And I have to try and sell them. All before I go home.
1: How many you got, kid?
2: Fifteen, sir.
1: Give them all to me. Yes, sir. Now go home. Make sure you go to school tomorrow.
2: My dad makes me go to the press to get the papers to sell too early for me. For me to
1: go to school. You tell your old man that man for Ben Johnson said to let you go to school. If he has any beef with that, come and see me. Yes, sir. Marvin, find out where the reporters are. I want to talk with them. Beth, a big man can admit it when he's wrong. So I'm a big man. I can admit I was wrong. Now, can you admit that you were wrong?
0: I wasn't wrong, Carl.
1: See then, you're a small man, a very small man, because I can admit I was wrong and you can't.
0: Um, I'm not a man, and I wasn't wrong. Now stop talking for five minutes. We need to figure out who those mugs were that took those shots at us.
1: Well, I couldn't see anything with that lug shoulders bumping into me.
0: I didn't get a good look either. You're lucky he was in front of you. He probably saved your life.
1: Oh, great. That's all I need. So that more on my life.
0: It could have been worse. You could have been on a slab somewhere.
1: Yeah, well, the day's still young. Say, who's that coming over here?
0: It looks like one of those cops from last night. (gasps) Yeah, I saw him at the apartment. His name is... Jerry, something I
1: think. Afternoon, folks. Uh, Detective Manson sent me to take the two of you to him. He wants to speak with you about that what happened earlier.
0: Oh, he does, doesn't?
1: He? Yes, ma'am. Won't take long. Is Jackson buying lunch? Girl, I don't like this. What?
0: Um, don't you remember we have that person to interview?
1: What person? Come on. Detective Manson is waiting.
0: Hey, why didn't he come himself?
1: Yeah, uh, what'd you elbow me for? He's busy working the case, so if you will.
0: I just. Uh, I, I need to get my purse. Hold on a second.
1: Beth, where are you going? Your purse is over there. Run, Carl! You, you wait here. But, but. After the rat finally told me where I could find the kid I sent Roger to catch up with Beth and Carl while I went looking for the boy it seems once the kid left the apartment the rat found him near the lake he took him in to hide him I'm not sure what angle the rat had in this such a rare act of charity but if I had to guess he was probably going to use the kid as a bargaining chip with whoever it was shooting up gangsters the rest said the boy was hiding out under the Ambassador Bridge near the Detroit River. Said some homeless people had built a small set of shacks there from scraps of plywood and cardboard. So that's where I checked first. Hey, bud. You have a nickel? I really need some coffee. Yeah, sure. Say, you haven't seen a kid running around down here, have you? This ain't no place for a child. Here's your nickel. He's my son, and my wife and I have been out all night looking for him. Is that so? Yeah, that's so. We would appreciate it if you could help us with anything that might help us find him. Oh, yeah? How appreciative. You've seen him, haven't you? Maybe I have, and uh, maybe I haven't. Well, how about this? Have you seen him now? Hey, what's that? Oh, I'm sorry. Can't you read it? It says detective, and this is a gun. Now, where's the boy? Take it easy, mister. Uh, 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 Someone else was down here earlier looking for him. He probably already found him, and, and, and the kid stays over by Shanty, too. Yeah? Where's that at? Right past that big rock there! Thanks! And here's another nickel for your effort. I wonder what kind of luck Roger's having. Man, this is no place for a kid. That homeless fella was right. Hope I can find him. Hope it's not too late. don't see how parents could turn the kids out like this. This is incredible.
0: Say, can you spare a nickel?
1: Nickels are popular down here. Sure. Tell me where Shanty 2 is.
0: Sure. It's right over there. But I warn you, feller. There's some dangerous looking mugs over there.
1: Thanks for the tip and here.
0: A dime. Thank you, sir. Thank you.
1: Man, this place is rough looking. How do you make live down here? I see you over there, you'd better stop. I don't care who you're with either, but the kid's not going with you. I recognized the voice immediately. It was Fat Tony Berkeley. He ran with some of Biggie Smalls' boys. If he was here, then chances were good that Bug-Eyes Gallo was with him. Probably hiding and waiting to take a shot at me. I'm a cop, you idiot. So, Tony, if I were you, I would throw that gun down and leave the kid there. Or you can be brought up on kidnapping charges as well as assault on a peace officer. Yeah? (laughs) Well, if I don't bring this kid back, those charges will be the least of my worries. Now beat it, cop, and we won't have to lay you out. I knew they had the upper hand, and I also knew they had no problem in laying me out. But I also know how to play their little card game. So I played the only cards I had. Okay then, I'm leaving. But when I tell Van Johnson about this, he won't be none too happy. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, copper, wh- wait a minute. Let's take a breather here. Uh, just for a second, let's, let's talk about this. Maybe we can work this thing out. You better make it quick. I'm in an awful hurry. Pull over here, Marvin. I won't be long. There's no way of getting in to see Shoulders or the rat. I need to talk to someone who was there when it happened. Mr. Van Johnson, is it wise to put yourself out here like this? Let me go talk with him, come on. No, I need to hear it for myself. I won't be long, besides, I own this paper. If those reporters saw anything, they would tell me, especially if they know what's good for them. Hey, is that one of the men in that car in front of the press building? Yeah, I think so. I think he's a cop. What here.
0: Hey,
1: stop! Johnson? Hey! Oh, Mr. Van Johnson, what are you doing here? You work uh, from Malone, don't you? Are you kidding? Manny, watch out behind you!
0: Next is a clip from my audiobook, Saving Faith. It was narrated by Carissa McElwain. She's a wonderful narrator, and she's really good at telling the story of my book it takes place in Mahogany Bay, South Carolina and it revolves around a lady by the name of Faith Dean it is a um, Christian based novel but it also has murder and mystery and intrigue in it so um, it will take you take your emotions on a ride as you experience you know sadness and thrills and trying to figure out who is doing the killings in Mahogany Bay but it also points everybody towards God and how God helps him through this time how they look to him for strength And how he's right there with you no matter what you're going through. So I hope you enjoy this clip um, of Saving Faith. It is on Audible. Um, Just go to audible.com and type in Saving Faith by Lori Ann Simpson. I hope you enjoy it.
3: Chapter 1 He watched. As she moved through the two-story house, opening the window blinds, he could barely contain his excitement as he watched her graceful movements. He knew she did not know that she was being watched. He would have to be careful with the open blinds, but he could work around that. She would have to learn. They all would learn. He watched her red hair glow as if it was on fire from the sunlight streaming through the windows. She had no idea her last moments on earth would be opening window blinds. What a menial task, yet it seemed so important to her. He was fortunate to have found an open house today. Ruby Wilson Realtor, the sign read. He knew the Realtor always arrived early to ensure the home was ready. This was his lucky day. This would be her lucky day, too. He drove past the house to park his car on the next street. He grabbed his gloves and the pink silk scarf. It was his mother's scarf that she sometimes wore when she scolded him. He tucked them ever so carefully in his jacket pocket. He moved his hands to his shirt pocket to make sure his card was in there. His calling card. He smiled at the thought. He parked his car and began walking to the house. He didn't mind walking. He enjoyed every moment of his missions. He began to fantasize about all the missions he would have. So many women had to learn their lesson. He made sure he wasn't drawing attention to himself as he walked. There was hardly anyone out walking or any children playing in the neighborhood. He figured everyone was at the beach on a perfect spring day like today. He was just an ordinary guy walking down a typical street. But he knew he was anything but ordinary. That is okay. His mother taught him well. She taught him how to hide his behaviors. She taught him how to fit in at any social event. Dear, sweet mother, she taught him how to be the man that he was today. He reached the house and slipped around the back. The high privacy fence helped him not be seen. He peeked through the window and didn't see his red-headed ruby, his prize. He went to the back door and grasped the knob ever so quietly. The knob turned. It was his lucky day. He slipped into the house and shut the door. He found himself inside a mudroom slash laundry room. He listened. He could almost hear his own heartbeat. Sometimes it deafened him but not today. The excitement pulsed through his heart. His mother would be so proud of how he could control his behavior on his missions. He crept down a hallway and found a utility closet around the corner. He quickly slipped inside and waited to begin his mission. Ruby Wilson was so excited that her clients agreed to this open house. She knew they needed to sell their home, especially since they had already moved to California. She couldn't believe her luck at getting this listing. Ruby was new to Ocean View Realty, and had only had her realtor's license for six months. At 24 years old, she had the determination needed to succeed in this business, and prove to people that, despite her young age, she would do a great job. All those hours answering phones and staying at the realty office had finally paid off. When Ashley Thompson, and her husband Drew, came by the office, she knew they could tell she was inexperienced but they wanted to give her a chance. She was determined to do her best for them. She straightened her jade green dress suit and looked at the checklist her good friend Faith Dean had left for her. Faith was a certified professional home stager. She staged homes for realtors by arranging furniture and decor for the house to look its best. Aim for light and bright, Faith had written in her notes. She had just opened the blinds. What a bright, sunny, perfect day for an open house. She had fresh flowers and a vase, and fresh fruit in a bowl on the counter. She just hoped the potential buyers didn't try to sit on the furniture, as it wasn't real. Pop up furniture, Faith called it. Actually it was just cardboard, with slip covers on it. Oh well, she would cross that bridge if and when she came to it. Timer on the oven buzzed and made her jump a little. Ruby, she thought, you watch too many of those T V mystery shows. She always hated being alone in the listed houses, even though she knew she was perfectly safe. This was one of the safer neighborhoods in Mahogany Bay, South Carolina. Mahogany Bay was about 30 miles south of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. It was a quiet little town that was not as commercial and touristy as some surrounding areas, but she couldn't help feeling uneasy as she walked to the kitchen to get the freshly baked cookies out of the oven. That was her own special touch, she added to an open house. What could be more inviting than fresh cookies? The whole place was filled with a welcoming and wonderful sweet smell. Made it feel like home. At least, she hoped the potential buyers would think that. As she reached the kitchen, the hair on her neck stood up. And what was that strong smell, she wondered. It seemed to overpower the scent of the cookies. She didn't remember seeing any automatic, fragrant sprayers in the house. Calm down, she thought as she tried to fight the urge to flee the home. What was making her so uneasy? The timer buzzed again. Ruby realized she had better get the cookies out of the oven, or she would have a burnt smell throughout the house. He peeked out of the closet and watched Ruby glide across the floor to the kitchen. He heard her high heels clicking on the tile floor. Her back was to him and he could tell she had no idea he was there but she would. Very soon, she would. He felt the scarf in his hand. Just the touch of the smooth silk always seemed to calm him. He watched as she stopped all movement and hesitated, as if she could sense his presence. Does she know she will die today? Does she realize that life will be drained from her body in just a few minutes? His heart was beating so fast. He was afraid Ruby could hear his breathing. Is that why she stopped? he wondered. Could she hear his panting? No, he is in control. He is in charge. She will realize that soon. He slipped on his black gloves, pushed open the door, and stepped from the closet. His pulse quickened. He was ready to carry out his mission.
1: If you're looking for something new, something fun, something exciting, try some of the books by Tim Simpson. His genres range from science fiction, horror, mystery, noir, and much, much more. In some of his books, he has vampires, werewolves, gangsters, and some of both at the same time. If you're interested in any of his books, they can be found on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, and also on Audible with some narrators from all over the world. These are books you have to listen to. They're amazing. So check them out when you get a chance. Tim Simpson on Audible.com
0: And we are here now with author David Wessel. His book, Choosing Sides, will be coming out soon. Hi, David. Thank you so much for being on our podcast.
4: Good afternoon. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Now, tell us a little bit about yourself. Before we dive into your book, tell us a little bit about yourself.
4: All right. Well, I am a retired U.S. Foreign Service officer. As a diplomat, I served in embassies in Rome In Budapest and Montenegro and Guatemala. Um, But my love has always been about the history of the world. And when it comes to writing about the years leading up to World War II, I rely on uh, my 50 years of studying how the Weimar Republic shaped the lives of ordinary Germans. And I recall that I majored in history um, with a focus on Germany between the wars which uh, shows that my interest in that subject goes back to, well, college days were back in the 70s. So it's been a while that I've been a student of uh, German history between the wars.
0: Wow, that is, I bet you have seen some very interesting things in your lifetime.
4: I've had the opportunity to to see quite a bit. Yeah, very thankful for that.
0: (laughs) Now, your book is called Choosing Sides. Tell us a little bit about what it's about, and then um, the inspiration behind
4: it. All right. Uh, Well, the book tells the story of an ordinary family, happens to be my own, that uh, was caught up in the maelstrom of Nazi Germany, and the choice that each family member ended up having to make. Ultimately, each family member could either endorse the Nazi party, its leaders, and its politics... And some of my family members did that others stayed quiet in the hope that uh, herr hitler would soon be gone from the scene and uh, still others actively resisted the rising tyranny but they did those, that at great uh, personal risk and some like my grandparents chose to leave uh, germany behind and rebuild their lives uh, elsewhere either in the united states or in uh, new zealand so. Um, so that's kind of the, the synopsis of the book. And what, what prompted me to write it is um, that my grandparents never really talked about their emigrations from North Germany. It was just not a subject they wanted to revisit.
0: Really? Um,
4: so over the years, I could gather bits and pieces. And even my father, who was a child at the time, is the star of my book, or the main character. Even he was very reluctant to talk about it. So uh, up until the age 40, I kept trying to get them to, to give me something. Um, I knew that in 1923, my father had been born in Germany, and they moved in twenty seven to the United States. They went back to visit Germany in 1930, and then they went back to move again back to Germany in
0: 1934.
4: Oh, wow. Uh, and stay there uh, to, to they had done well economically in the U.S., which is what they brought him here. Um, and they went back to Germany with a good little pile of money to buy land and, and get reestablished. Um, but in their absence, of course, Hitler had become chancellor. So my father's welcome to, back to Germany was being put in the Hitler Youth with all the other
0: kids. Oh, my goodness.
4: Uh, but he spoke very little German, having been away for seven years. Mm -hmm. He spoke German with an American accent.
0: Oh, my goodness.
4: And the other boys in the Hitler Youth uh, didn't like that. (laughs) So he had a very rough welcoming. um, He he detailed to me several beatings that he took at the hands of his his mates. But but he wouldn't ever really talk about it. Uh, Finally, in... Uh, when was it 1990 he and I took a trip back it was the first time he would be comfortable going back there with me and then it started to pour out in um, he started to, to uh, share his soul with me, share his story with me uh, so he said said rather casually well there was the day that uh, we met Hitler
0: oh my goodness <laughs> like,
4: you, you, you did what? He said, well, yeah, that was after grandpa, my grandfather participated in a dramatic sea rescue of those Norwegian sailors. And I said, what? And that Hitler wanted to congratulate them for that. I said, what?
0: Goodness <laughs> um, gracious.
4: So, so, so since 1990, I've wanted to write this book and couldn't do it because I was working so hard professionally.
0: Right.
4: But once, once I retired and COVID hit, guess what? I I had lots of time on my (laughs) hands.
0: I understand Uh, that.
4: So that's that's where the book came from. (laughs) Is my trying to make sense uh, of the family stories that um, were hidden from me for so long, Uh, and even when my father passed, I didn't have enough details, and uh, still still needed to do a lot of research on what was the story behind this ocean rescue. Where would they have met Hitler? Um, what were the conditions under which my father took beatings from the Hitler youth. Um, so trips back to Germany and lots of Internet time allowed me to research that.
0: Wow. that I'm a big um, history fan. I love history. And just hearing you talk about everything that your father got to experience, that that is just amazing to me. <laughs> it, it really is. Now... Um, so you, you did some research in Germany and a yep. lot on the internet. What all was yes. involved in, in your research in Germany? Did you, um, speak with other families? Were, were they forthcoming if you did?
4: Um, yeah, before I went, I was able to find some, uh, fairly distant, uh, second cousins, twice removed kind of level, uh, <laughs> family members that uh, were still in the area of the little town that my grandparents were from, that my father was born in. And uh, I was able to connect with some of them in person, uh, uh, I'd say six or seven of them that between my stumbling German and their uh, <laughs> faulty English, <laughs> uh, we we could have a, a basic conversation.
0: Oh my goodness. Um,
4: but I also got a friend who uh, lives in Denmark to volunteer to come down and join us. So she acted as my interpreter.
0: Oh, that's good.
4: Uh, which was wonderful, having a woman who was a native German herself, Eva von um act uh, on my behalf to translate. And then slides came out, pictures came out, tours of the house that my grandfather was born in.
0: Oh my goodness.
4: Tours that, of the house that my father was born in uh, all of a sudden happened and uh, I was able to go to the church and get, or to the school rather, and get school records uh, and uh, between between that and work on Ancestry.com and, Oh yes. Um, and then on the internet all the historical facts that uh, came out. Um It was just a a wonderful trip. My wife shared that with me, which is
0: something she'll never forget either, that wonderful trip. Oh, my goodness, I bet. Um, What kind of challenges um, did you face in writing your book? You you said that your um, parents and grandparents especially were um, not wanting to revisit that time. What other challenges did you face?
4: Uh, just I, I was very anxious to sort of interpret the family story and put it in the setting of historical context um, so there were a lot of things like, like trying to find out this rumor or my father had mentioned uh, that my grandfather took part in an ocean dramatic sea rescue of Norwegian sailors mm-hmm. um, that Hitler came to congratulate The rescuers on, and that's when my father and the whole family could meet um, the Fuhrer. Uh,
2: But I had no details. Um, Mm. uh,
4: But through my friend, who uh, was my translator and and research assistant, and myself, uh, looking at the timing of family moves, the passport stamps that I could find
1: back and forth.
4: I, found, I figured out when that might have happened, uh, narrowed it down to about a two months, and then online did happen to to find the name of the boat that was involved with the rescue, uh, the name of its captain, my grandfather being uh, a member of the crew. <laughs> um, wow. So, So it was a struggle to find it, but once I found it, it was just a treasure trove.
0: Oh, my goodness. Bad, uh... I, I,
4: I knew from uh, my father's ramblings when he did talk that uh, my grandfather had been wounded in World War One uh-huh. in the trenches fighting for the German army. Uh, but that's all I knew. And I said, well, OK, um, <laughs> if I want to include that in the book as part of the family background, I need details. Uh, so it was frustrating uh, for a while until I found an old German army record that showed the date my grandfather was wounded
0: oh my not, not the location
4: but right. the date um, and then through the wonders of the internet I could search for army battles, World War One going on, on on that date
2: uh-huh.
0: and,
4: and came up with probably the location of the battle that he would have been in <laughs> Although I I couldn't have direct proof. Uh, That's why I call this a a work of historical fiction. Right. Uh, Logically, that's very likely could be the battle he was wounded in, but I could be wrong. But in the book, I accepted that as the truth and moved on.
0: (laughs) That that sounds good to me. Um, Do you have any pictures of your grandfather?
4: I do, and uh, depending on what my publisher can work out, I will have some family photos in the uh, in the in the book.
0: Oh, great! That would uh, be great.
4: I've, I've, so I've got passport pictures and some old family photos of my father when he was two and three and four, and so some of those will appear in the book, um, assuming the publisher agrees
0: <laughs> right right that would be that would be neat to see that really yeah. would i love old pictures and especially um old family pictures those are oh, my favorite
4: yeah I, I think they add a lot to the story to be able to to see uh deke uh, dietrich nicknamed deke and mimi his wife my grandparents
0: oh yeah to,
4: to see them on their wedding day to see them holding my father as an infant and then reading about my father's uh, time in the Hitler Youth, I have pictures of children uh, of the same age in their Hitler Youth uniforms, but but none of my father. Um, although although here at home I do have uh, parts of his Hitler Youth uniform still. Oh really? Yeah, they're in my uh, my, little, my little archive collection at home.
0: Right, <laughs> right. I tell you, your family sounds amazing and um, everything that they went through, that just, it just touches my heart. Um, stories about your father, especially uh, being a little boy and being over there. Just, it's just amazing that the history is so rich.
4: Yeah, and uh, what, where he ended up in the book is, uh, you know, he's a, he's a young man who grows up on both sides of the Atlantic. Just before the World War Two, and uh, his two worlds collide. His uh, loyalty to the United States, and he loves the peaceful life he's lived here. Right. But he also has family members he idolizes, uh, an uncle uh, of his. His uncle Ernst, my great uncle Ernst, um, was a rising Nazi official. had a lo- Had a car with the uh, swastika flags on the fender.
0: Oh my goodness.
4: Um. And and Carl, uh, Carl, my father, was um, was kind of torn. I'm sure between loving two countries that were going to war with each other.
0: Oh, absolutely! I could not imagine the conflict going um, on inside of him,
4: and at yeah, such and, a and young within age. The whole family. the, yeah. the book extends to uh, aunts and uncles that uh, that he grew up with, and that, uh, as I said, some some stayed and became part of the uh Nazi if not high members of the regime, at least they were cooperating and collaborating. Um and others that resisted and some some who left. Oh my goodness. It's a it's a rendering of the family.
1: Hey this is uh Tim I'm yeah this is right into my wheelhouse I love uh, uh, history especially nazi germany world war ii history so your your uncle was the one you said was a part of the nazi party
4: uh would have been my great
1: your uncle, great great uncle okay so yeah. ha- what happened to him after the fall of the
4: uh i don't say a lot about that in the book because i don't know a lot about okay. it the, the family members that i could find just kind of Lost track of good old Uncle Ernst. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, there was a lot going on at the um, time. But... For,
4: for I- ideological purposes, if nothing else. And, uh, yeah. Ernst was kind of the outlier of the family, uh, as I know it, um, in being a supporter of the Nazi cause. Right. But uh, post-war, uh, the, the information I could gather is that immediately after the war, like within of uh, Hitler's death, uh-huh. uh, he, he and my great aunt Sophie
1: uh-huh.
4: uh, left Germany for their own good,
1: right, mm-hmm. uh, to
4: avoid any negative consequences for whatever actions they took during the war. Oh yeah, um, and they they went to uh, Australia okay. and sort of dis- disappeared from there from the from the family scene.
1: Oh wow! You <laughs> see that that to me that's like the most interesting part is the, uh, the behind the scenes of what happened and who, right, you know, right. so you're, you're, the book is about your grandfather, right? Your great grandfather. Which one? Uh,
4: it's my grandparents that, uh, okay. and my father that are the main characters, but I also follow, um, my uncle Ernst and his wife, Sophie oh, wow. uh, from, from the best, again, partly recollection from, or, Partly uh, stories that I've heard from people who could recall, and partly making up uh, what would be a logical path for Ernst to go from the same family, uh, but having different political leanings and a a different uh, attitude towards the rise of tyranny.
1: And your grandfather was the one in Hitler's youth? Um, That was my father. That was your father? Oh, wow. Okay. So do do you have any... Um, I'm sorry. Do you have any photographs of him during that time?
4: Uh, I have some photographs of of him, of him as, uh, I think when he was 11. Okay. And he was in the Hitler youth. He joined it. Or when they moved back there, he was 11. So, but I think there were photos from the United States. Okay. I don't have any from, uh, 1934 and 1935 when they were back in Germany. And he was part of that, uh, oh wow His
1: yeah well, that's a that's a very unique history this day and time not a lot of people still have that kind of especially dating back to World War two like that yeah so yeah. uh it's 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 pretty amazing. I had a friend who was in World War two he's a pilot and uh, he died several years back because about the whole generation's gone now
4: uh, yeah, and don't don't I wish that's don't don't most of us wish we had uh gotten more information out of our parents oh, absolutely. and grandparents absolutely. Went while we could um i regret all the time that i didn't push my father more to to share with me but uh
1: one of the things yeah. i was able to do i had the foresight to do was i recorded my friend on a video on a cassette tape many many years ago and uh asked him questions about the war and stuff and, and, mm-hmm. and he would talk and i've still got the recordings you know Yep, because I, of, yeah. you know, I
4: think I'm living sure. histories like that are just a marvelous thing.
0: Absolutely, I really I do have a big regret that I did not um, take more interest when I was younger, mm-hmm. talking with my grandparents and my parents about things that I just find fascinating now about their childhood, and uh, unfortunately, they're not here anymore for me to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I yes. try to tell um, all the younger, like my kids and and everyone, you know, just find out all that you can because you'll be you'll be sad that you didn't.
4: Yeah, and uh, in, in my case, uh, I had I had some material to work with, um, and uh, the rest I just had to fill in the blanks of. Uh, just, just how much was uh, my great aunt, my father's aunt, Margaret, Marguerite, um, presumed, presumed to be a resistor of some sort? Oh, but nobody really uh, knew much about what she did, how how she resisted. You know, when her brother Ernst was a was a Nazi official.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. Um,
4: you know, so so in the book, I speculate to a degree on where, where she ended up um, on the spectrum of acceptance versus rejection of uh, Nazi philosophy and Nazi programs.
0: I really like how you have brought the history of your family together with some fiction that you can plug in the missing pieces, so to speak. For, I, really, I
4: really like that. Tell right. us. <laughs> well, I've always been kind of, uh, when I started writing this, I got inspired by uh, reading a, a lot of other authors' uh, thoughts on the use of fiction. Uh-huh. Um, and one of my favorite uh, quotes that I found is from Ralph Waldo Emerson, who said that uh, fiction reveals truth that reality obscures. Yes. So so the reality of what happened with uh, some of my relatives might not be exactly what's in the book, but through the use of fiction, I think I reveal the truth of how many, many Germans, ordinary citizens, did respond to what was going on in a, in a way that uh, total, pure history might not be able to reveal.
0: Absolutely. Your book sounds so interesting. Um, when will it be available?
4: Uh, right now, the publication date is set for March 21st, okay. uh, 2024. Uh, I'm doing everything I can to work with the publisher and make sure that sticks. Right, right. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, uh, I've been working on this for three years now. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to see it. Absolutely. I'm to hold it in my hands and, Absolutely.
0: Uh, Where can the listeners find your book at when it is available?
4: Uh, Well, it should be at all the normal outlets, uh, Barnes & Noble uh, and independent booksellers, Amazon, etc. Okay. Uh, And uh, I just signed a contract to do an audible version of it with a nice voice artist. Uh, So I hope to have the audio version uh, shortly after the regular. Um, And in the meantime, they can always learn more at my website. Which I'll plug, davidkwessel.com.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And you also um, uh, speak at different venues, is that correct? Uh,
4: yes, I, uh, as part of my professional career, I've always been very comfortable doing presentations. So now I've developed uh, three or four presentations on particular uh, aspects of the book, Uh, One on uh, the one I hope to do the most and share at museums and libraries, et cetera, is on how ordinary Germans responded to Hitler's uh, rise and ascendancy. Um, It's a subject of a lot of debate, but. uh, And then I also have a presentation I've worked on on the sea rescue of the Norwegian ship, the SS Sisto, in December of 1934. Uh, that my grandfather participated in the rescue on and uh, that Hitler decided to come down to the docks and congratulate the heroes.
0: Wow, very uh, interesting.
4: And, and another, a couple of other little presentations I'm working on that, that uh, will all be outlined on my website.
0: Great, great. Give us your website again one more time.
4: It's David K. Wessel, so the, the Wessel part is W-E-S-S-E-L. David K. Russell, just one L.com.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. And um, your book is Choosing Sides. And honestly, it sounds so very interesting, um, especially if you're a history buff or, you know, anyone else that would um, like a little bit of history with fiction. It just sounds really good. And we want to thank you so much for joining us today. And we have really enjoyed speaking with you.
4: Well, thank you. I've enjoyed it too and I uh, hope people will take a look and not only read and enjoy it, but ponder what would they have done themselves as ordinary people in a situation so horrific.
0: That is that is a very good question.
4: Very good. All thank- right, it's been been a pleasure to speak with you.
0: Thank you so much. You as well. Good day.
1: Wow, what a great interview that was.
0: It really was. I really enjoyed talking with him.
1: Well, when he started talking about Hitler and World War II, and, you know, some of my books take place during that time.
0: Right, right. And even
1: one of my books has Hitler escaping Germany. I know. So it's like, you know, that's right up my wheelhouse when he's talking about <laughs> history in World War II. And I have thinking about Chuck Smith, my friend that was in World War II that passed away. And all the pictures that I have of him. So I was just curious if he actually had pictures of his father right. during the time that he was in Hitler's youth. That's pretty amazing.
0: You could have talked to him for hours, couldn't you? Probably. A
1: pretty, <laughs> probably yeah, a uh, lengthy conversation.
0: Um, don't forget that his book is called Choosing Sides. And it will be available in March.
1: Definitely worth getting. And I will Absolutely. probably get the audio book because I love, yes. love audio because I like <laughs> listening to them on in the car and when i'm traveling
4: i
0: do too so
1: i will definitely get the audiobook as soon as it hits i'm glad he found him a uh, narrator
0: me too that that is the fun part about i think about um having your book on audible on audio um is choosing your narrator and it, working with them it's a production it really yeah, is it is it's fun
1: so anyway we hope everyone enjoyed this uh podcast and stay tuned after this to get your uh promo code yeah audiobooks speaking of audiobooks free audio book
0: yes oh um and we wanted to let you know that um again don't forget about the um thanksgiving play that will air on november 22nd um that we wrote
1: it's a special uh, little program It'll be like a regular podcast. We have some similar stuff in it. Eli's going to have his Eli moments, right? And we're going to <laughs> do some stuff. Um,
0: so, our um, next author for um, the podcast after the Thanksgiving um, special, her name is Susan Day, and she is in Australia.
1: Oh, yeah, I love that. He loves yes, Australia. He'll
0: love that. And, and I think you love all the creatures.
1: Yeah, um, in, especially the spiders. The those spiders, those, yeah, yes. Those are my favorite.
0: Um, her book is called Mindful Arts Therapy. and So that would be very, um, very interesting to hear about. She also has a dog training
1: series. Oh wow! Maybe we. Yeah, should
0: we. Uh, we might need to check into that. Yeah, just for Daisy. Um, because Daisy, I mean Daisy's great. She'll let us know when a leaf is falling, when a um, uh, squirrel is on the back deck.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, you yeah. know, especially when the Amazon driver.
1: When the wind's blowing too hard. Yes,
0: yes. But we do love her, and we won't. Mm. We would not trade her for anything. No, not at all. Um, but it would be nice to have her listen a
1: little bit more. yeah (laughs) Yeah. well when she's when she's barking she can't when she's barking
0: yeah she she, it's it's like she tunes us out when she's she's barking so
1: anyway we hope everyone enjoyed our podcast and until then until the next time anyway keep the pages turning
0: Here are the promo codes for this week. Remember to go to audible.com backslash promo code and enter this code. It is only available to the first person that uses it. So here we go. The U.S. code is 5B as in boy, Z as in zebra, F. As in Frank, seven M as in Mary, nine G as in Grace, P as in Paul, M as in Mary, X as in X ray, eight P as in Paul. And here's the code for the UK three J as in Jelly. 9, X as in X-Ray, B as in Boy, 9, J as in Jelly, Z as in Zebra, M as in Mary, 5, 7, P as in Paul, M as in Mary.